Welcome back to QAV, Saint Anthony of the Camerons. <laughs> As you declared yourself to me over the weekend. Oh, come on. You declared me, first of all. Well, actually, no. Uh, our, our friend and listener, Cam Williams, uh, yeah. told me that in his house, you are the Australian of the year. <laughs> uh, and I asked you if I have to rec- refer to you as Sir Anthony, and you said you preferred uh, Saint Anthony, which I like. Saint Anthony, pa- I like. the patron saint of Cameron's. Yeah, Camerons. <laughs> Lots of emails from people telling us how much they appreciate you in the last week or so, Tony. I don't send them all to you oh, because okay. I, I don't want to, you know, blow your ego out of the water too much. Uh, but uh, they, well, everyone I might is charge grateful. more. <laughs> <laughs> well, you might start charging. That's the problem that I've got. Everyone's very appreciative, Tony, of the uh, time good. that you're taking. So thank yeah, you for thank sharing. You. Uh, except for hey, the one hey. person on, on iTunes who said you, we're, we're, the show is boring and condescending. So apart from that person, everyone else is very grateful. <laughs> so they took the time to tell us that. They didn't just listen to something else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I wanted to talk about uh, your uh, private school thing. Did you want to start Ooh. with something else? I just wanted to say that uh, I bumped into Kane from the Family Jewels on uh, during <laughs> yeah. the week last week. Yeah, how did, we were, how did that just, happen? We were both at the driving range together. No. At, yeah, at Moore Park, we were standing next to each other for about an hour, <laughs> and then uh, <laughs> this this lady who was standing on the other side started talking to me, yeah. and then he must have recognised my voice. And he turned around. And he said. Tony, is that you? (laughs) (laughs) Wow. And we had a chat. It was great. Your first touch of podcast fame recognition in the streets. Exactly. Yeah, in the wilds. (laughs) That's great. He's a a nice bloke, isn't he? He is. Very nice guy. So hopefully we'll hook up for a game of golf soon. Oh, that's great. You told him, did you tell him that you went to his store recently and tried to buy something? Yeah. 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 Told him his staff member was really nice and really good, really helpful. So, yeah. I, don't I think he was. Uh, I think he said he, he just closed down the store. They decided not to reopen it. Oh, really? So not he, the one I was going to, but another yeah, one. He's joined that yeah. camp. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's rough. Um, you, you probably, I probably told you the story, but when when we were in Rome, when we were in Rome, 2018, 2019? Yeah, two years ago, I think. So, twenty eighteen. Yeah. Uh, Ray and I took off one day to go to the. Um, the uh, uh, the res geste uh, monument to Augustus that has his like last will and testament and carved on the wall, and uh, we're walking. It's right next to the the tomb Augustus's. Um, uh, what do they call it? The the mausoleum of Augustus. Anyway, we're walking down the street, middle of Rome, and some woman walks up to us and goes. Ray Harris. <laughs> He's like, what? She goes, Ray, I'm a big fan of the podcast. Didn't recognise me because I think I had a hat and sunglasses on, but she recognised Ray because he's short and bald. So uh, that was the weirdest one I've had happen yet in Rome. And she wasn't part of our tour wow. group, obviously. Just American yeah. woman with a friend happened to be in Rome and uh, recognised us <laughs> or recognised Ray in the street of Rome. There you go. Um, all right, well, that's great. Uh, well, uh, let's talk about... You sent me an email the other day saying, mm-hmm. uh, I figured out the real cost of sending your kids to private school or something like that. Mm, yeah. 
Yeah, so the background of it is uh, Jenny, my wife, has been reading the Scott Pape book, The Barefoot Investor, and he had a sequel called Barefoot Investor for Families, which was about teaching your kids the value of money. And he put a table in that Wait, book. Wait, can which I, I just... Shot. I got to interrupt. Is Jenny reading that because she's a little bit concerned about your financial future and she thinks uh, <laughs> you guys need to start thinking a little bit more seriously about, uh, you know, setting something up for Alex? Well, just between you and I, I'm trying to co-opt her into the uh, the podcast somehow. So right. she's taking it. She's taking an interest. Well, I think I said to you once before we we started to write a book um, on investing for people who weren't uh, investors, and that's how the financial ladder concept came about, which we've used in our QAV getting started booklet. Yeah, and mentioned. Yeah. So um, now that she's not working, she's taking a, an interest in what I'm doing and started to read those because I, I think she was prompted by either Paul or Cam at the dinner we had here one uh, at uh, Silly Tarts that night and I, one of them said why don't we do a, a a recording about how to get kids started in investing mm. Mm. so Jenny took that one to heart and she read the Barefoot Investor books anyway she, she it's good because I don't have to read them she, she's just been giving me highlighted sections of them uh, and uh, one of them was a table which uh, Scott Pape used to motivate kids to get a part-time job. And in the table, it, he basically said, if you get a part-time job and you can save $5,000 per year and put that into an index fund and you do that for 10 years, so between the ages of 15 and 25, he used it. He used this as his example. He, uh, he said, if you invest that uh, until you're 60, then I forget what the number was. Was it uh, ooh, millions of dollars anyway? With two point eight million dollars, I think the number was, would be in your in your retirement savings account. And he compared that to a person who didn't do that, but uh, started foot saving five thousand dollars a year when they started working uh, from the age of twenty five every year until they turned sixty, and that person would have less in their retirement savings account than the person who started early and stopped after 10 years. So no more contributions after 10 years. Hmm. And I thought that was quite a powerful table. And then I got to thinking about something I'd, I'd uh, briefly sketched out oh, decades ago when my daughter started going to school. And I thought, uh, why don't I take the school, the private school fees, because she went to a private school, and invest them in the market. And I remember at that stage, I worked out that she could retire at 40 uh, if I did that, um, but, but uh, never really acted on it she still went to a private school so i took uh, scott papes table and plugged in school fee numbers and what it would be like if you invested you know 10 or probably twenty thousand dollars a year over over the uh, school the 12 years of schooling and uh you know from the age of six for, for my child and what they'd be worth at 60 and uh, do you recall what the number was cam uh, look, I know it was a couple of billion dollars. That's right. The uh, if you did if you did if you used an index fund, it was like sixty four million dollars from memory. But if you'd use the QAV method, it was like one point five billion, and that was for a Catholic school, which is less than for a, an independent school, which was more like three billion dollars. So uh, it was a good table to to show the power of compound uh, investing. Wow! So instead of sending your private your kid to private school. You invest that those school fees for that twelve mm -hmm. years. Yep. Um, then at th when they are sixty, is what what that fund will be worth. Uh, no, it was just 
Good question. Yes, it would be when they are 60, yeah. Right. So they yeah. don't get all the benefits of a private school education, which is, uh, as I understand it, being sexually molested uh, by the old boys, uh, by the priests, and <laughs> what are the other advantages? I'm not sure. Uh, something something. <laughs> Networks, Cam, networks. Uh, networks, yes, yes. Yeah. The uh, I was sexually molested by the old boys as well <laughs> network group. And then uh, they they come out the other... So they have a regular life and they come out the other end uh, very wealthy. That's right, yeah. Just in time to well, die, though. But they have something well, to leave they, their kids. Well, they could always uh, take a bit out, buy a house or retire when they're 40, keep some invested, live off the other. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, I think that's powerful. Um, just shows you the like the the real cost of something like that, and you can apply that to lots of other things as well, right? I mean, I know the real cost of drinking beer, smoking cigarettes, yes, that's all right. those sorts Buying of things. A car. Yeah. yeah, yeah, all sorts of things. Yeah, no, absolutely. We don't really. Well, I mean, I didn't anyway. We don't get raised thinking about money in those terms, like the the future value of that money if we did something different with it. No, when we should. That's that's probably the first thing to teach kids, really. Yeah. Yeah. Although I I think the problem, like I find this with Hunter and Taylor, uh, you know, I think the at their age, nineteen, the idea of investing for twenty, thirty, forty years and having something at the end just seems so remote to them. Like that that just seems mm. like a billion years it's like the death mm. of the sun away from them from where they mm. are right now right yeah it is and that's and that's i don't know how to how to teach that to kids that it's not the death of the sun that they'll get to it one day uh or, or you know they tap into it and buy a house or whatever along the way but uh yeah that's that's the trick because i know when i was their age I, all the money just went into having fun yeah but the I, old george is it the george c scott uh, quote about what did I do with the What did I do with the loot? Uh, I, some of it was spent on women, some of it was spent on booze, and the rest I just wasted. <laughs> <laughs> so I had an interesting conversation with uh, <laughs> both of my boys yesterday. I took Taylor for a, a drive, uh, you know, to get his hours up so he can get his pee plates. They, they, we haven't done that much of that over the last couple of years because. Anyway, long story. Anyway, I, he said, what have you been up? I go, well, you know, I'm thinking about doing it. I've got to realise I've got to do a new will. And uh, bloody bloody. He goes, oh, how much am I getting? And I said, well, you're not, you're not getting anything. He goes, what? And I said, well, you're 19. Your brother's 19. You're both doing very well. You're going to be fine. I, I didn't think you'd want anything. You're like self-made young men. You'd, and he was horribly offended that I wasn't going to leave him anything in my will <laughs> and uh, and then I had, <laughs> so an hour after he got home his brother calls me and goes what, what's this about <laughs> what and I said hold on you keep telling me you're going to go to Hollywood you're going to be the biggest star in the world your, your goal is to be a bigger star than Dwayne the Rock Johnson you don't need uh, you don't need to be anything is my will he goes well it's the principle of the thing it's the principle as you leave stuff to your kids and I'm like eh principle principle you don't need anything. Uh, I don't know. They were very offended, Tony, that I'm not going to leave them my QAV portfolio. Well, you see, uh, you, it's, that's bad parenting on your part. You're supposed to let them think that you're leaving them something so they, <laughs> they manage the trust fund better. They, they look after it. They look after you. <laughs> uh, but make them think they're getting something and then when, when I die, it's like, surprise! <laughs> 
one of those classic scenes from the movies where the solicitor reads the will. <laughs> Everything's been left to the cat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, we, we should do a show at some stage about uh, kids and yeah. money and uh, and how you manage that if you've got money. Yeah. How do you manage, you know... You must have some sort of uh, structure in place. I've never asked you about it, but I assume that you do. Not really. No, I've got. I've got the wills. The will hopefully takes care of it. But yeah, there's no, no particular I, structure in place. No. Well, I meant like uh, with with Alex today. Oh. Alex is about the boy's age. So she's like twenty, yeah. twenty-one. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, no, I just um, did what uh, I think what uh, other people might do. She she. Or she saves uh, from doing her art commissions, and she's put. So just recently opened up an uh, an account and put five thousand dollars into the Australian Foundation Investment uh, listed, listed Investment Company uh, stock. So she's basically investing in an index fund, and that was fine. We had a big talk about it, and did she want to do it herself? And did she want to follow my method and all the rest of it? But she acknowledged she didn't have the time or the inclination to do it. And uh, and she only had five thousand dollars, so we agreed to put it into an index fund. And that might change over time, but that's that's sort of her entree into the world of investing, which I think is fine. Right, but uh, my point was that you're wealthy. I know mm -hmm. how Alex lives. She doesn't live like the daughter of a wealthy person. Right. Okay. No. Well, she yeah, lives. She yeah. lives very simply, from what I can tell. Um, it's not like yeah, you've got her on a twenty thousand dollar a month, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, stipend. Uh, no, but we are picking up all the costs. I mean, that's to be fair. She's living in a residential college in Melbourne, uh, and, and the costs are all picked up. So, right, uh, and and I pick up a credit card as well, which right. has a two thousand dollar limit on it. So, yeah, we're still supporting her. Yes, um, but she doesn't live high on the hog. No, no, she doesn't exploit it too and much. Is, is, <laughs> is that because you keep her on a tight leash or is that just her, you know, uh, personality? Bit of both. I think it is our personalities. That, that, that's the, just the way we live. But um, no, I think, you know, she's very, uh, yeah, grateful, humble. Uh, she doesn't overspend. She doesn't buy things she doesn't need. Um, yeah, she and she she talks about you know setting up a house and how she might go and do that and and a family and things like that. So she's quite savvy when it comes to that. She just doesn't have the income herself yet to do it, and we'll probably help her buy a house when she wants to when she's ready. Um, so she won't want for anything, but no, she's not extravagant at all. Right, she's not driving a convertible BMW and uh, throwing huge, you know coke fueled house parties <laughs> no it doesn't even have a car it doesn't drive right <laughs> <laughs> yeah she said she's going to hang on till she's 21 when she can get a license without doing the 100 hours right which is which is hard for her to do because she's in Melbourne and I'm in Sydney yeah uh, I gave her a few car lessons in Canada which didn't go down that well so <laughs> I think that that scared her off learning to drive but plus it was on the other side of the road so she knew she'd come back to Australia at some stage and didn't want to confuse herself yeah yeah Right. Well, so you, you haven't had to sit down and uh, say, listen, um, I'm not going to give you any money because I don't want to ruin your character. I mean, that's no, the, it's a classic had, thing. The kids that grow yeah. up with wealth, obviously, handle yeah. it in different ways, often not well. 
And I mean, I know Alex, and I know that you know she's a she's a, one of my favourite people, and I, I I can't imagine her being one of those bratty kids anyway. It's just not her personality. But mm. uh, you know, I've often wondered, well, how do you like? What, what's the deal? What, what's what's the arrangement between you and her? Yeah, well, that's the deal. So no, we haven't had the "don't be a brat" conversation. We haven't had to. Um, <laughs> And probably the, in the last sort of six months, I went for a long walk with her and explained our financials to her in case something happened to me. Uh, <laughs> maybe I gave her the incentive for something to happen to me. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> so she's got a bit of an understanding of where we sit financially and what might happen when I go. Because so, she'll she'll inherit it all if she's still around. And, and she will, right? You're gonna yeah. you, you're not gonna say you're not gonna do a buffet. And say sorry, no, stage, g- g- no. giving it all to Bill and Melinda Gates. <laughs> no, because okay. well, well, Bill, isn't Bill Gates behind five G and COVID nineteen? Oh, don't do that to me at this hour of the morning, Tony. No, no negative mm. waves, Tony. No negative <laughs> waves. No, I haven't set uh. up uh, any kind of. Uh, fun but i may do it at some stage i've, I've right. thought about it but at this stage it all goes to alex right mm. and and we've had a, a couple of conversations about what she might do with it from mm. there mm. yeah mm. yep so it's a good idea though i think why don't we try and get her and uh, and your sons onto a podcast oh, and just God. go through it with them no not my <laughs> no. sons no <laughs> alex yes uh my sons oh god no no. They just gave me such a hard time yesterday, man. Like, unbelievable. It was more along the lines of, yeah, well, I, I really, honestly, I shouldn't have expected anything else from you. Yeah, it's just the kind of father you are. I'm like, well, hold on. I, I, I honestly thought you would be offended if I left you anything because you've been telling me the last couple of years, you know, I'm, I'm going to be a self made man and blah, da, da. I don't, you know, I, blah, 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 blah. I don't need you. And I'm like, that's great. Congratulations. Apparently, apparently no. <laughs> Anyway. <laughs> but still, it might be worthwhile getting them on to, to, to try and talk to them about investing for their retirement at this stage. Oh, that would be good, yeah. Yeah, mm. and, Ta- and maybe talk through the roadblocks they throw up. Well, Taylor and I did have a conversation yesterday driving around. He said, well, I'm thinking about, you know, I'm thinking about putting some money into an investment. We talked about an index fund or QAV and what should he do and... Yeah, so Taylor's uh, ready. I talked him through the whole process of setting up a self-wealth brokerage account. And I said, look, you know, I can tell me when you're ready and I'll do a QAV analysis for you and pick something, the the best score, okay. and you can invest that or, you know, blah, blah, blah. Okay, good. Yeah, no, we'll be good. We should get him yeah. on. He, he actually said to me, he wants to, when I come down to Sydney next, he wants to come down and spend more time with you. Okay, cool. They're keen to, both keen to spend as much time with you as they can. Yeah, good. They're the nice boys. Yeah, they are. They are. They are. <laughs> okay, so that's enough right. of our kids. Yep, um, back to investing. Yeah, so we've got some questions that uh, I thought we'd run through, unless you've oh, got something else you want to kick off with. Last thing I wanted to talk about was, uh, before we get into the questions, was uh, I saw a comment on, I think it was the Facebook group, someone was asking if I'd release my my data hoard. <laughs> five. I think it's got about five years' worth of past scores yeah and a spreadsheet so I, I can and i will but at the moment it's all pretty pretty messy i mean you've seen my spreadsheets i think i sent some through to you once before yeah they're full of um notes and tests and five years ago didn't look like the current year and things like that so let me just tidy them up and then i can send them through to you 
Oh, okay. Well, that's generous of you. Yeah, that's right. I thought there must be, I was thinking there must be another way of just getting all of that um, historic data on prices if people wanted to do their own regression testing. Yeah, I think the only way to do it would be, I mean, Stock Doctor stores all the data in Stock Doctor, but I don't know if you can filter on it. So you, you have to go in manually and, you know, go back five or ten years and, and put in your own data manually, I think, into Excel. Right. Yeah, which is not a bad thing to do, you know, if you've got, um, if you know what stock you want to regression test, but um, if you're just sort of trying to trawl through the market from five years ago, that'd be very hard. Yeah, okay. Yeah. All right, well, let's get into some questions then. Daryl, DW, the creator of my, uh, the turbo version of my spreadsheet. Thank you again, DW. Uh, everyone, round of applause for Daryl on that. He says, Cameron, I have a question on deriving the estimated sentiment from the S ST metrics, <laughs> SD max. I thought that was your uh, heart monitor going off there. <laughs> SD Max, six months. My doctor put me on blood pressure meds for my heart last week for the first time. That's how you know you get old when your doctor puts you on blood pressure medication. Is that because you bought shares in Zimplex? Zim <laughs> 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 uh, oh, look, they're nearly back up to zero, Tony. Uh, oh, good. Yeah, well, they were, and then they dropped a bit again on Friday. We'll okay. talk about Zimplats next. Don't don't jump ahead. Right. Uh, let me start again. From Daryl, I have a question on deriving the estimated sentiment from the SD metrics, SD max, six-month price change, and five-year price change values. Assuming Tony still thinks these are worth considering as I'm refining the formula I use. From what I've heard so far, Tony views the XD max value of bullish to be the first overriding value. So bullish equals sentiment two. But regarding the different combinations of five-year and six-month values, does he? What does he think? A valid five-year and six-month price changes both positive sentiment equals two. Five-year yep. and six-month both negative sentiment equals minus one. Yes. Five-year is positive and six-month is negative sentiment equals minus one. Correct. Right. Finally, what about the following? If five-year price change is negative but the six-month price change is positive, then sentiment equals one or zero or also negative one? Negative one. Right. Uh, Five-year negative, six-month positive, but it's still a negative one. Okay. Correct, yeah. Five-year price change is blank, but six-month price change is positive. Sentiment equals one? Two. Two? Sentiment equals two, yeah. So that will be a company which has only been trading for less than five years. Right. Yeah. yeah. So that's so that's they're all the combinations of, of those three things: SD Max being bullish, and then for a six month price change and five year price change. Wow. Well, good yep. stuff. I love I love how Daryl's getting into this man. And yeah, it's good. If he wants to have a look at some examples, to have a look at uh, UBI and BSE, they're two stocks which uh, uh, I think, from memory, five year price change negative, but six month price change positive. And you can see quite quickly from those graphs that they're negative still. They're still going down. UBI, not the universal basic income that Andrew no. Yang was <laughs> promoting a few months ago and everyone said, you're a crazy communist. And then COVID <laughs> hit and everyone said, you know what we should have? Universal basic income for well, everyone. You know, I, for I forgot to lead off today. I was going to say, we, I've, I've found a problem, Cam. We've... Um, We've, we're $60 billion out in our numbers. <laughs> yeah, just $60 billion out. Hadn't noticed. 
Yeah. Oh dear me! I, I tried to mm. I tried to understand you know how what what happened with all of that over the last couple of days, but it was uh, just too it's too uh, dumb. It's My brain for- rejected it. It's called forecasting. <laughs> it never works. <laughs> yeah, apparently there's, uh, when Treasury did their estimates, it was before the lockdown or something or just after the lockdown and they assumed the curve didn't flatten as much as it did. And then businesses were filling out their forms incorrectly. So they were putting down 1,500 where the number of employees was meant to go and certainly they were putting in how much they were expecting to get paid. So, mm, mm. yeah. And yep, no one... But- no one worked it out until the other day. Yeah. <clears throat> but what I, the bit I couldn't well, I work out the tax was... Return to, I expect my tax return to be really good this year because they, they might stuff those numbers up too. Yeah. <laughs> what I couldn't work out, though, is whether or not that's a, that's a good thing for the unemployment number or a bad thing. I read different analysis yeah. of that over the weekend. Does that mean our unemployment numbers aren't as bad as they thought or... Does it mean that they're actually higher than they thought? Because the the instead of those fifteen hundred people per businesses being uh, on job uh, keeper, they're unemployed. Yeah, which means they'll be on job seeker. So I think, I, I think it's it's less unemployed than they thought. Right is the, is the upshot. Okay, and then there's now calls to then therefore expand unemployment benefits to those who are casuals and in the arts and things like that. Um, or to right. or to lengthen the pro, the the job keeper program. I think it was originally set up for six months. So mm. I suspect the government, being a liberal government, they won't expand it now, but they'll keep the money dry in case they need it uh, mm. past the the current deadline. Mm. Which is probably a smart thing to do. I think the people who are on the arts and who are casuals are probably getting job seeker anyway. Mm. Mm. Speaking of uh, invented money. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Somebody, I think, uh, by the name of Kevin, uh, sent me a message over the weekend saying we should have a guy called Bill Mitchell on the show. Alan Kohler interviewed him recently. Uh, Bill Mitchell's a Melbourne-based guy, one of the founders of modern monetary theory. Yeah, Professor Bill Mitchell. Was he busy Melbourne or University of Newcastle? I can't recall. Anyway, oh, mm. yeah, uh, that'd be great to get on the show. I mean, I listened to that link you sent me. And there's still something missing in my accounting. And it's, you know, he talks about viewing accounting and through a different lens. So I get that. But I still, I still don't get how there's, it's like ever since the Renaissance, when we've had double entry bookkeeping, there's always been a credit column and a debit column. They always balance. There's always been an asset balancing liabilities to give the net equity. But now what they're saying is you can there's some kind of magic gold dust in central banks where they can just magic money out of the air. I'm still not quite across that. So it'd be, I think it'd be good to get him on or someone just to explain to us in like kindergarten terms just how this mm. works. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Well, uh, I've got his email address from Kevin, I think, who reached out to me. Sorry if I, I I've got your name in my notes somewhere. But, um, yeah, here we go. Uh, Kevin. Yes, Kevin. Hi, Kevin. Thanks, Kevin. Um, so, yes, he's given me Bill's email address. Said he's very approachable. So I'll reach out and see if he can come on and, again, uh, yeah. try and help. Yes, he is at Newcastle. Uh, he went to studied economics at Melbourne Uni in the 70s right. but uh, and developed this thinking, I think, in the late 70s. But now he's at Newcastle University, a professor of economics. Mm. Good. All right. Well, uh, back to questions. Yep. All right. Big Paul. <laughs> Paulie. 
Pauly C uh, asked, you know, decided to ruin my day uh, last week by mentioning that Zimplatz has involved in something called a qualified audit query. Yes. I don't know what that means. What's a qualified audit query, Tony? Yeah, so sounds qualified... like you've got you've you've got qualified cancer, testicular cancer. No, no, it's not. It's not full testicular cancer. It's just qualified testicular cancer. You should be worried, but not not. Don't panic. I've never heard of qualified cancer before. Okay. No, neither have I. That's what I'm saying. That's but that's what oh. it sounds like. Like an audit query sounds scary, but qualified is like, oh, well, don't panic yet. Don't jump out of a window yet. <laughs> yeah. So basically, what it means is that. The auditors have signed off on the financial books with qualifications, and it's always a red flag. We shouldn't be investing in companies that have that. Um, so I, my first reaction was Paul was correct, and we should. I've, I've now added a line to my checklist, which is a go no go. So right at the very top to say, is, is there a qualified audit on financial statements? And if there is, we're not going to go any further in terms of analysing this company. Uh, wow. And the way the way we find that is. Uh, so, so I have to apologise here. In the past, the way I found it was to go to the annual report for a company. And at the very bottom of the annual report, usually, there's a statement from the auditors, which generally is, is boilerplate, and it says this company, its financial statements are in, in accordance with the financial uh, rules or the laws governing financial statements. And the auditors are independent from the company, and they, they sign off the audit to say that, the finances are a true and correct record. A qualified audit doesn't say that. It says that yeah, the finance, the financials are in accordance with the, the laws governing financials, except for A, B, and C, and that's the qualified part of it. Now, I think in Zimplat's case, first of all, the, the, the qualified audit uh, apparently occurred in the annual statements, which is because typically a company will be a, uh, audited once a year, not twice. So that's generally when you see the... the well, that's statement. the end of the free episode for this week, folks. Uh, if there was another half an hour or so, I guess, in the in the premium episode of answering listener questions. If you're brand new, uh, please know that we have a free episode and a premium episode each week, sometimes a couple of episodes a week. But uh, the free episode goes for about half an hour. The premium episode, which is for our hardcore investors, people who really want to uh, go deep on this stuff, uh, jump up and uh, check it out at qavpodcast.com.au get a, with the premium subscription you get access to the longer episodes plus uh, the getting started guide and we do meetups or at the moment during COVID uh, Zoom calls um, but when we come out of these restrictions as we're starting to we'll do meetups around the country again uh, you get to ask Tony questions uh, stuff like that Check it out. There's a 14-day free trial and see if it is right for you. In terms of being right for you, also please be aware we're not financial advisors and so you shouldn't take anything you hear on this podcast as financial advice. It's just uh, having a conversation with a very successful investor about his thoughts on analysing stocks and the market and that kind of stuff. If you're looking for financial advice, please see a financial advisor. With that, stay safe. Have a great week. We'll be back next week. Cheers. Cheers.